Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So this is Star Wars Bookworms episode number 65. And we are doing another comic review this episode, and that means we have another guest host joining us. And this time it is Megan Krause from StarWars.com and Den of Geek. How are you doing today, Megan? Hello, hello. I'm doing pretty good. I actually just saw you the other day. Yes, we had the weird and wonderful experience of meeting in person at something completely unrelated to Star Wars. <laughs> yes, we saw each other at New York Comic Con recently, which was cool. Hang out, um, have a couple drinks with all of our Star Wars friends. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about the possibility of you coming on to Star Wars Bookworms because it's been a while. You, um, you've come on our, you've actually been a guest on our show. This is your fourth time. It's funny. I didn't. I didn't remember all of those, but you guys were actually like one of the first podcasts I was ever on. So it's cool to see uh, to be back and sort of see how much the fandom has changed and how far like we've come as as people producing content. So it, it's cool. Yes, and we've been doing Star Wars Bookworms. This is our fourth year now, and I think you've been on an episode pretty much like we we tend to have you on. It seems like once a year. So. Um, <laughs> You were actually the last time we had you on was October of 2014, so it has been quite a while. So I'm happy that you came on. I did get to hang out with you at New York Comic Con, but then we did we just randomly bumped into each other at a Harry Potter festival of all places. Yeah, which was which was great because that that never really happens. Like I never really see a lot of my Star Wars fan friends outside of the scheduled Star Wars conventions, but. I was, yeah, I was in the area for the Harry Potter Festival, and uh, so that was really cool. Yes, out in the wild. So that was that was a fun time. Um, I am a Ravenclaw, and you are a... I'm also a Ravenclaw. I, um, I can be Slitherclaw if we're doing the mixed house thing, but my heart is Ravenclaw. I don't think I ever did a mixed house thing, so I'm not sure what my other house would be. I kind of think it would be Gryffindor, but... You know, doesn't everybody want to be Gryffindor? Yeah, <laughs> they're the heroes, right? right. I have a, a Slytherin friend who persuaded me or tried to persuade me that, oh, Slytherin is, is about ambition and you've got ambition, so you're you're partially this. So sometimes sometimes I consider myself Slytherclaw, but sometimes I'm like, just stick to one house. Right, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, stick to Ravenclaw. <laughs> it's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so we are going to get to our rev- our comic review, and this this episode we're reviewing Lando, um, which I'm really excited to talk about. But before we go there, I did want to mention our book club that's going on right now. We are reading through Ahsoka, and that's going to be going on um, the rest of this month and into November until Catalyst gets released, and then we will switch over to Catalyst. Um, so if anyone hasn't jumped into our conversation yet over at Goodreads, head on over to Goodreads. And search out the Star Wars Bookworms book club, and we have uh, a good conversation going on over there. Have you actually uh, have you read Ahsoka yet, Megan? I have. We talked about it last week on Western Reaches. Okay, cool. So, without getting too much into it, what what were your overall thoughts? Um, was this one that you liked? It was one that I tried really hard to like. Um, 
it there was nothing super technically uh, excuse me super technically wrong with it but i think i agree with a lot of the reviewers who say that it started out slow and then it didn't add as much as i would have liked to ahsoka's story yeah i'm actually kind of right there with you um we it was a it was kind of a slow start for me as well there were definitely some moments in the book that i really enjoyed and some information that we got um about some details on you know her lightsabers and uh, different characters that ended up showing up, things like that. I did enjoy, but as a, on a whole, it was yeah, it was kind of. I I feel like maybe me and you are are like minded on that one. Her characterization was good, but there just wasn't quite enough enough of a story to grab onto. And there were some individual moments, like individual lines of that book were amazing, but I sort of left it going. It was okay. Yeah, me too, and uh, that's. This might be one I have to do a second read through to really, you know, fully appreciate it. That happens to mm-hmm. me sometimes with with any kind of content, movies, TV shows, books. I find that I enjoy them more on the second time through. For sure, yeah. But the other thing I wanted to mention before we got into our review and we are going to get pretty much right into the review so we'll have a lot of time to talk about the Lando comic, but I did want to mention that the Star Wars propaganda book did uh get released as we're recording this, it got released yesterday. So I wanted to mention that anything written by Pablo Hidalgo is usually a, a safe bet when it comes to these uh, these books or guides. Um, is this one that you that you have that you're going to be getting? Yeah, I'm excited for this. I wasn't able to pick it up in a bookstore. I actually went on a quest to find it at Comic-Con and they were sold out. So I feel like I've been on this epic quest to find this book when really all I've done was go to one booth at Comic-Con and look around at local stores. But um, I do have it. I ordered it from Amazon. It should be coming this weekend. Um, I'm really excited for it. I liked um, Jay's review at 1138. Really uh, sold me on it if I hadn't been before. Sounds like it has some cool in-universe stuff as well as just like the art looks really neat. So I like that, you know, sort of in-universe artifacts thing. So I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of anything that's written in-universe. And Pablo is, like I was saying, you know, he's he's very much a safe bet when it comes to these guides. He, if anyone knows everything about Star Wars, it's it's Pablo Hidalgo. So this one will definitely be one that I'll pick up as well. Um, I did notice I was looking at some of the art in the book, and I noticed that some of the tops cards that I collected maybe a year ago are the exact same images that they used for some of this propaganda art. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Hmm, interesting. I certainly hope there's there's a lot of new art. I know they repeated some from um, the Leia promotional posters that were used for Bloodline are also in there. Yes. But it seems like there's a good amount of, of original art as well. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I think it's 112 pages, it says. So I'm sure there will be some art we've seen before, um, but there should be plenty of original or new art um, that we can find in there as well, so... Yep, that's definitely one I'm looking forward to. Yeah. But yeah, so we're we're actually going to jump right into our review here um, of Lando. So I'll go through kind of the the uh, information here on this. So title, Lando, writer, Charles Soule, artist, Alex Mayleave. Um, and the release date was January 20th of 2016. So this one came out early in the year, definitely far beyond our... Um, our deadline or our kind of our cutoff for spoilers. So we 
can talk as many spoilers as you want, Megan, because uh, cool. this, this one's been out quite a while. Um, publisher is Marvel Comics, and then here is the summary, or at least the, uh, I guess, the marketing spiel. So it goes, you know him, you love him. Now join him for his biggest caper ever as, a, as Master of Charm Lando Calrissian steps into his very own high-stakes adventure. Before he joined the Rebellion, before he ran Cloud City, Lando made his way in the galaxy getting by on some swindles, some swagger, and a smile. With a loyal Lobot at his side, Lando has a plan to steal a very valuable ship. But he is bitten. But has he bitten off more than he can chew? One of the galaxy's deadliest, most effective trackers is on his tail, and the heist of a lifetime has become a, fl- a fight to survive. Lando and Lobot took this gig for the easy payday, but if they make it through alive, they'll never be the same. It's the tale of a scoundrel in his natural element, Trouble. So there you have it. So this one, it actually kind of starts out the way you would expect a Lando comic might start out. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, right away. It's like he's charmed this this woman. And I I mean, we're going to go into spoilers. So I, I hope that she would come back at some point and she didn't. And I was kind of disappointed by that. But it's certainly in character for him. And this is interesting timing for us to talk about Lando or Lando comic is because they just announced just recently the, the actor who will be playing Lando in the Han Solo movie. And um, I don't know if we can talk briefly about that. Um, So Donald Glover is going to be playing Lando Calrissian, which I thought was um, an interesting cast casting choice, but I feel like it would work. I feel like he might work in that role. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of background with him. I hadn't seen many other things that he did, but I liked him in The Martian, and that's about... And I'd heard the rumors of people were saying that he was going to be cast as Lando for quite a long time. So I was sort of used to the idea already, and the sort of charisma he had in The Martian works. So I, I don't really have too many thoughts about this, except that I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, he he seems to look the part, um, and like he can definitely pull off a young Billy D. Williams, um, and he he's known mostly for his comedy, although he does non-comedy acting. Um, so my only concern with it is, will he play the character almost too comedic? Because Lando can tend to be um, a silly character sometimes when portrayed in different media um, as opposed to taking him as kind of like a serious. Now I feel like the comic, this comic itself actually did a really good job with Lando, but I've seen other material that he shows up in where he's almost playing Billy D Williams more than they're portraying Lando, you know? Hmm. That's interesting. So can you give me like a quick example of what, like what material does not do that well? And cause I'm just trying to think of like, I like rebels Lando in general. Um, I thought Rebels did a pretty good job with him. Um, so I'm thinking more back with some Legends material. And they really play up this idea that Lando is this like smooth smooth operator kind of character. And they take it up um, a few notches with even like his yacht and stuff that he had in the Legends universe and kind of the way it was decorated. And um, they really play up the idea that he's 
this smooth ladies man and i felt like that was you know with the original trilogy and the movies he shows up there although he does kind of have that swagger and, and he hits on leia a little bit it's really not his character mostly you know most of the time you see him he's a very serious leader he's you know he's flying the falcon and saving the day in return of the jedi um but they've really latched on to that idea that he's kind of this this um player for lack of a better word yeah and i guess that goes back to the how this comic starts too yes exactly but um i was thinking about that when i was i was just watching a clip of donald glover in the martian and i think that it i mean of course it depends a lot on the script and i think he can do there's a difference between like silly smarmy charm and charisma and i think that the directors will know where that line is so and i think he can he can pull that off if the direction isn't right then the direction isn't right but it's like that that very first scene where lando like kisses Leia's hand and and later he sort of transforms completely he puts a lot of faces on he's a pretty like complex character and I'll be curious to see how like Donald Glover has if he has the range for that and I simply don't know I simply haven't seen him in enough things but I think it's on the direction as much as it is on him as an actor yeah and I there's a show that he's on currently that I think it comes on FX and it's called Atlanta And I just happened to come across it the other day. I never had watched it before. And I was like, oh, yeah, Donald Glover's in this. I'm going to just, you know, leave it on for a minute and see how he does. And he plays, at least in the the episode I saw, a much more serious character. um, I would say not even comedic at all, which um, and he and he does. He did a really good job with it. So it was like it was nice to see that he does have some range. And um, you're right. it, It a lot of it will depend on the direction. But I do think the casting is probably a, a good choice for the character. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But we had kind of we, so we were talking about the beginning of this comic. He does it does start out. He it's not just any woman that he is with. He's actually with an imperial moth of all people. Yeah. Um, trying to steal an item from her uh, that is very valuable, so he can pay some debts off. Um, so yeah, you had said you kind of wish he would come back. I guess she still could, but it would be in a future story. Because uh, she doesn't actually make another appearance in the comic. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had a little bit of an eye roll with the comic starting this way, but I, I, on the second time reading it, I realized that like it's really here to show Lando having like a crisis of conscience. He does a good thing. He tells her, "I was planning on stealing this this object, but I actually kind of like you, so I'm going to be upfront with you about it," and it works out for him. Um, whereas we kind of see the opposite at the end of the comic where we see, um, I'm going to trip over her name. We see Sava, the Sava kind of do the same thing. Like try to put herself out on a limb. Like I'm going to go for what I believe in and it doesn't work at all. So I thought this was a good way sort of to parallel the end and also to show that Lando is like Han, like he's that smuggler with a heart of gold character. He's not just swindling everyone. He actually has I don't know if code of honor is the right word but he has morals yeah he definitely does and he showed it a a few times in this comic but I didn't get that from this beginning scene actually it's interesting your take on it I actually did think he was completely just playing her and was just telling her what she what he needed to tell her so he could get out there get out of there unscathed um and it's 
I and liked kind of convincing more... her like, okay. hey, I did love you. Uh, um, I care about you. So please don't chase me down. You know, like that's that's more what I got out of it. I liked it more the second time, but I was also definitely actively trying to be like, I think this is kind of skeevy, but what is it doing other than being skeevy? Um, <laughs> and I think the part that got me was that he says that she, he's trying to play into she wanted to feel like she was more than a cog in the machine, like or less than a cog in the machine. She's comfortable with working for the Empire because she thinks of herself as just a tool in the hands of someone else and she doesn't blame herself. And then later Lando says she wanted an excuse to feel like she wasn't like she doing something good basically. And I thought that was, it was really brief. I wouldn't know if I wouldn't really say a complex characterization for her, but it, it asks a lot of questions of this, this very conversation. Like, was he playing her? Was he really like just, did he read her really well and was playing into her beliefs or did she really also kind of have a crisis of conscience? I don't know. I was trying to look at it a little differently the second time around, but maybe I'm reading too much into it. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, with this, I, I feel like this was almost kind of a, a way for them to get this part of Lando out of the way. So they open mm-hmm. up with him, with a woman, um, you know, in a kind of inti- intimate situation and kind of get the the whole idea that Lando is a ladies man kind of like, okay, we get that. Let's put it right at the beginning and then that's it. And I'm glad they didn't keep coming back to that. Mm, and that's, even, that's a good point. And even later on in the comic, when he meets up with the, with the bounty hunter who we'll talk a lot about this bounty hunter, but for now, just to mention um, the bounty hunter turns out to be a woman. And when he first sees her, he's just kind of like, you know, typical, Hey, 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 type of thing but it turns out it wasn't he didn't have anything with her it was actually Lobot who had a previous relationship with her so I thought that was a nice uh twist on things where other authors or other writers may have kind of leaned on the fact that Lando has all these women out there that he's kind of been with um I, I was glad they didn't really come back to that yeah I agree and it, it was definitely surprising that she had the history with with Lobot instead which yeah, we'll talk about Lobot, but the the tragedy of Lobot. Um, so many feelings about Lobot. <laughs> right. Um, I did want to mention kind of the art in this comic and the color schemes that they used. I thought were really unique. Um, there was a lot of like yellows and purples and uh, just different than you would see in a lot of modern comics. It actually almost threw me back to the comics that I used to read in the '90s. I'm dating hmm. myself now. But some of the old, even the old Dark Horse comics that they used to do for Star Wars, um, like Dark Empire and things like that, had very similar color schemes. So I thought that was nice. And I don't, I'm not very familiar with the artist um, in this comic, so I don't know. Maybe that's just his style. But I, it was nice to see something a little bit different than what we've been getting from the other Marvel series. It was a very dramatic use of color, and I, I liked it. I liked the art in general. Um, it, especially when they're in the ship, like the lighting is really distinct. It's a lot of, of reds and blacks to make it creepy. And the, the empire like drawn in this blue silver. Well, so you get the, the good guys in blue and the bad guys in red, which is, or other way around <laughs> like Lando and Loba are lit with the red light. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So I, I did enjoy the art style. Um, we had, we had mentioned Lobot, and now's probably a good time to talk about him. 
Um, I mean, you get a story with Lando, it makes sense that Lobot would be there. We know we know Lobot from Empire Strikes Back, um, but he was he was definitely portrayed differently than we see him in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, much more of a personality, you know, interacting with with Lando um, verbally as opposed to just you know the way he did in Empire Strikes Back. Um, so, what were your what were kind of your impressions of of Lobot in this in this comic? This comic really humanizes him, which is then super painful because you realize the reason that he's so humanized is because he changes so dramatically at the end of it. And now I just can't see him in Empire with going, oh no, oh no, Lando and Lobot. <laughs> um, so I I really liked what they did with him. I thought it was super sad. And it was this came out after we'd also seen a character with the headset, the Imperial like neural headset headset on rebels who had also had similar issues so that being a thing seemed to fit nicely into the canon for me yeah it was interesting um expansion of lobot's story you know this is this is the use of the this expanded literature that i enjoy where they take characters that we we know from the movies and expand their their story um, meaningfully. And I thought this was really cool to learn. You know, we see Lobot in the movie and we see the head thing, but we don't really know what that's all about. You know, is he human? Is he like a, you know, cyborg? Like we, it doesn't, we don't get a lot of information. Um, but this comic really kind of explained what that was. And the fact that he's almost constantly fighting against it to, to maintain control of his own body. Um, and, yeah. and when he's weakened, he's in danger of losing his consciousness to this this mechanical device. So I guess he used to work for the empire because the empire itself like gave him that. Right. Right. They were saying it's something about, um, he would help with like the battle strategies. So by getting the implant, he would be able to stay off the, the field of battle and stay kind of more in the, you know, in the background of the, str- the strategic part of the battle. And I guess with the help of that implant, um, he can do that. So, but did, I I don't remember that they had mentioned specifically that it was for the Empire, but maybe they did. Um, I think it said that it was Imperial Imperial made. They don't really talk about whether he like what he actually did for them. So he might not have been like in active duty for the Empire, but that's somewhere in his backstory. I yeah. think. I guess it would make sense. And do we know where this falls timeline wise? Oh man, I was thinking about that as I read it. Um. Uh, that's a good question. I'm sure that we can look it up. <laughs> but <laughs> off the top of my head, I don't remember whether it's before um, before New Hope or between New Hope and Empire. Yeah, it definitely looks like it's before Empire. Yes. I thought that was pretty clear. Um, with a lot of this new canon stuff, they don't they haven't really established timelines. And I think they're doing that on purpose to give them a little bit more freedom with storytelling mm-hmm. if they don't nail something down into a specific time. So they, we may not have an actual uh, timeline for this one. Um, I'm going to so, look at one more thing and see. Yeah, Wikipedia just says before Empire. Yeah, prior to Empire. So we know it's before Empire. We don't know exactly when it falls or how, you know, how long before. But it would be interesting to know kind of because we see Lando in Rebels, which is pre A New Hope, 
and then we see them here. So it's kind of like where, where in that, where where does it fall in between those two events? Yeah, because just sort of just looking at at him, you can't really tell he's he's younger, but not really sure how much younger. And he's wearing and, clothes very similar to what we see him appear in Empire. The first time you meet him in Empire, he's wearing you know almost the exact same outfit. Which almost mm. indicates that it's close to Empire, unless he doesn't update his wardrobe very often. <laughs> I would think that he does, but it could be very close, because that too would explain why, or I mean, maybe not so much explain, and sort of cover the tracks in terms of why Lobot is still computerized, you know, why Lando hadn't cured him, if that's a thing that's possible to do um, between this and Empire. Yeah, I almost feel like the appearance in Empire and the way he is in Empire, it kind of says to me that he is not going to be cured. That's kind of what I got from that is Lando didn't was ne never able to really figure that out, and that's why we see him the way he is in Empire. Mm. Well, even as I say it, I realize that I don't necessarily think curing him would be a good story choice even because this was such a powerful story that to sort of erase it might might tone it down a little bit yeah i agree but that actually that discussion of timeline stuff brings me to something that that i noticed about this comic and part of what drew me to it in the first place was that in a lot of ways it's almost a prequel comic like it has elements of the sith and like elements of sith possession it has darth maul's ship it has palpatine acting as a sort of collector of curiosities. We never see like politician Palpatine here or tactician Palpatine. We just see like creepy Sith Palpatine and part of, and you get a lot of aliens in this, in this comic. And part of what I like about it is I think it does have that like prequel feel in a good way. Do you, do you think so? I, I mean, I definitely like the, the shout outs to prequel elements like Darth Maul's ship, uh, things like that. But an overall feel, I would say I was definitely more feeling like it was an original trilogy feel. So that's funny that we both kind of interpreted it differently. Yeah, um, and a, a lot of that interpretation comes from comes from the cast, comes that well from from the cats also. The cats, from that there yes. are, are aliens in this, and there are lightsaber fights, and there are people who don't know how to handle lightsabers well, fighting with lightsabers. That felt very prequel to me. But, the, I mean, the atmosphere, like, if you're going to this comic for an original trilogy atmosphere, it absolutely has that. Um, but some of the, I guess, uh, more colorful, like, alien elements were part of what drew me to it. On our last episode, we reviewed uh, Star Wars Volume 2 um, of the Marvel Star Wars comics. And I, we were kind of commenting on that, even that, the blending of prequel elements with original trilogy elements is something that the Marvel comics are doing really well because in that one, I don't know if you've read it, um, but that one had, had a Gungan in it. It actually had, um, uh, Magna guards in it. And oh, yeah. there were a couple other elements. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to see, you know, you see these original trilogy characters like Chewbacca and, and, uh, you know, Han and Leia and Luke all running around, but then you also see a Gungan, and it's, like, something you would never see on screen, but in the comics they can do anything. So mm -hmm. I thought that was 
pretty cool. So yeah, you're right. In this in this story as well, we got kind of the blending of the two, which I think is important, you know, because elements from both are important. And as much as some people want to forget about the prequels, um, they did introduce a lot of important elements into the lore. And I'm glad that they're not shying away from them. They did. And a lot of fans who come from the Clone Wars have the prequel era is like their Star Wars. Exactly. And I wouldn't really count myself among that group, but like the Clone Wars, the Attack of the Clones tie-in novels, like that's my Star Wars. So it's that definitely drew me to this a little bit. Right. And I actually didn't realize the ship that um, the bounty hunter uh, was given to track down Lando. I didn't realize that was Darth Maul's ship until they showed kind of a wide shot. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's Darth Maul's ship. But when they first just said the name of it, I didn't pick up on it. Oh man, yeah, I was so glad because first they mentioned the Wraith Sinar thing and I was like, yes, expanded universe, shipbuilding stuff. And then um, Chenath gets the scimitar and I was just like, I'm so glad that this ship is still part of this story. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about the the bounty hunter, uh, Ch- Chenath Cha. So at what point yes. did you realize that it was a woman? Did you know right away? No, I mean, it has been, I read this when it first came out in back in January, February, so it has been a while, but I don't think I saw that coming. I, I don't remember knowing until she actually takes her helmet off, but I also didn't know that, um, um, Corin was a woman either. No, so I this didn't, comic yeah. did this comic did a lot of interesting things in issue issues four and five. Did so did you know? Like did you figure out that Chaneth was a lady? It's funny because I'm I'm almost looking for stuff like that now. Um so anytime they leave a character masked for a, a very long time, I start to just assume it's a woman. Because mm. they're playing toward the, the big reveal. Yeah. Um, and so that for her, I definitely, when they first, even as soon as they introduced her, um, I kind of had some, some suspicions that it might be a woman. Um, plus the name is very, you know, could go either way as far it's not very masculine. It's not very feminine. It's kind of, you know, just a, a regular name. Uh, so that wasn't a tip off either, but yeah, that, that didn't surprise me when the helmet came off and that it, it was a woman. Um, but I loved the look of the character. The armor was really cool. It was kind of Mandalorian-esque, but not so Mandalorian that you just assumed she was Mandalorian. And I don't know if, we, if we're if we supposed to believe that she is or if they... Mm. I, I don't think they ever said she was, but she kind of she does have that look about her. Yeah, I definitely thought it looked like Mandalorian armor, but also in this era, she could have killed a Mandalorian, she could have gotten it from the black market, like, there's all sorts of things. But I definitely looked at it and went, oh, that's got the visor, that's Mandalorian armor, yeah, maybe it, that, yeah. It, it was definitely the visor, but the it had a different look to it where the the visor was much more open, mm-hmm. like a, a much larger T, if we're calling it a T visor, yes. than you typically see on Mandalorian. So I thought maybe it was just, oh, it's just a bounty hunter um, with armor, which makes sense that bounty hunters would have armor and just, it kind of happens to look like a Mandalorian, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we get more information about this character and some backstory. Yeah. I, I don't know. I really liked her introduction. I liked where she's like, she's wrecked this 
skimmer boat and the the guy's trying to run away and she's he's like you're trying to kill me and she goes no i'm trying to save you from drowning <laughs> and then and of course she's just hauling him away to collect a bounty and then immediately literally drops him in favor of palpatine um i thought it was a great introduction i don't really have too many more feelings about her like she was cool i don't have any great like need to see where she goes next but i certainly wouldn't complain about her appearing in other comics or something right yeah um yeah i I did i enjoyed that scene as well when she gets the call from palpatine and she she's (laughs) like yeah when some people call you drop everything and then she literally drops him back into the ocean yeah um, which was pretty funny um but yeah that i like the character and sometimes i i latch onto characters more for how they look than how they act Sure. And this is definitely one that just visually she looked really cool. And so um, in a medium like comics where a lot of it is visual, it's a character that I really thought um, added to the, to the look and feel of the comic. And I, I think it would be cool to to get her back in some way. Yeah, no, that would be cool. And I, I latched onto the, the twins, the cat aliens, for the same reason. I was just like, oh, I think they look cool. They're like cat ninjas. <laughs> it was as soon as I saw them, uh, it made me think of, now I'm not remembering the name of the video game, but there was a video game where there was, it was like a fighting game and one of the characters has like a cat head like that. And oh, it just, it, it may be Tekken. I think it's Tekken. But there's a character that basically has like a cat's head. And it, as soon as I saw them, I thought of that character. But yeah, they were, I don't know. They were, for me, a little too cat-like. And that's one thing I've always not liked about Star Wars is when they just take a animal from the real world and turn it into an a- alien species. That's I always think that's <laughs> kind of cheesy. So for these characters, that kind of... At first, I thought they might just be masks. But no, they were actually, you know, actual cats. It's funny because I um I actually thought they were too human. I thought their like their jaws didn't make any sense to me. Like they had all the predatory teeth and sometimes their jaws looked like they were sort of jutting out and sometimes they looked like they just had like human faces. I I wanted them to be more alien and I'd be perfectly fine with them looking like cats, but then like I just think that would be cool. So I I agree that it's in the long-standing tradition of just putting an animal head on a Star Wars character, but it worked for me in this It does. Case. It is just part of Star Wars. It's almost like you just have to accept it. Um the names of the characters Ala- Alex Alexin, Alexin and Pavel. Mm-hmm. Um and they were interesting because they were clones. And they kept they called them clones and twins. Um, but they were both male, right? I believe so. Yeah. Nothing to indicate that they're, they aren't. I, I don't remember if they actually both used male pronouns, but I think that's, I think they did. I think they referred to them as, as male and they were Mm -hmm. clones, but they also seemed like they were in some sort of a semi romantic relationship. Yeah. Which is an interesting choice. Um, you know, it's a galaxy far, far away and, you know, whatever but it, it's it's definitely the idea that it's basically the same character because it's a clone kind of being mm. in love with it you know it's almost like falling in love with yourself and they even wanted to have like a child oh. I, I just well, thought it was interesting yeah I, I, it was very surprising when they had that a lot of surprising things happened in that issue but when they had that moment like we were going to have a child like i was just like 
That wow, I didn't see that coming. I imagine they're from a society sort of like Dorsk eighty one, where like everyone is clones. So it's not like you're in love with yourself. It's just that's how they that's how all of them create more, I guess. Right. Um in the the uh rare Dorsk eighty one reference in Star Wars <laughs> Bookworms. Uh, but yeah, so th- Here they for were for all your Dorsk eighty one reference needs. <laughs> But yeah, they were very interesting, but formidable fighters. Um, so it was good to have them around until they turned bad. But they, it, they were, yeah, they were pretty. By the end of it, I, I had gotten used to the characters enough, and they weren't too distracting. That um, you know, I did, I did like them. But yeah, so we kind of talking about them going bad. The whole kind of the whole storyline of this is Lando's trying to steal this ship and get everything on it and basically he's got to deliver the ship to the person he's stealing it for but he can keep anything he finds on the ship but he has no idea that he's stealing emperor palpatine's ship um which is full of all these sith artifacts yes that is the crux of it isn't it yeah so it's it's pretty cool to see um you know the discovery of these sith artifacts also kind of going back to the star wars volume that we just reviewed in our last episode there was a hut that was collecting Jedi artifacts. So it was kind of interesting that um, those two things were kind of happening. I think those comics actually came out very similar time. So those writers had kind of the same idea, but um, you know, Palpatine's, this ship is very valuable to him because of what, what can be found on it. Yeah. And I, they said a couple of the things that were on there. I think there was some Gungan artifact where I was sort of like, oh, that's just silly. But I did, I wanted to see, like, what are the other artifacts? Like, there's, there's, you know, years and years worth of plot on this ship because we've got all these weird items. And it was, uh, so there were some lightsabers in there where there was that creepy mask that was kind of sitting in the middle where the eyes lit up in the Mm. mask. And I was kind of, when that first happened, I'm like, okay, where are they going with this? Is there, like some kind of entity that's in this mask or something like that. But it did seem like that mask had something to do with what seemed like mind control over For sure, characters yeah. that would come in contact with it. But they never really got into it enough to explain it more than it just, it happened to a few characters, but that that was really all we got. Yeah. I would have liked a little bit more explanation of this because it seemed to when, when the, I think it was Alexin who first was taken over. He just basically turned murderous. And then when, um, oh, I keep hesitating over her name. When Sava gets it, it seems to sort of get into her head a little more. And it, it she's she wants this artifact, so it like plays to her desire for that. Whereas with the cats just made them instantly murderous so like what it did changed a little bit and so I I definitely would have liked some more backstory on who's that mask was and what exactly it did yeah I actually felt like um it was a little more consistent at least from my perspective because I didn't think the cat necessarily went murderous I feel bad that we're calling it the cat um, <laughs> yeah, that that might be <laughs> some apologies. Yeah, to... they they may take offense to that. Um, yeah, whichever one it was, I'm not remembering uh, which one was which, which is even worse. Uh, Alexin, maybe or Pavel. I think it was Alexin. Was it Alexin that went bad first? But <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel bad. <laughs> he, he turns on his brother, 
his clone brother. Um, but I felt like there, it wasn't just because he was becoming murderous, but it was more because he was enlightened with the power that he, he had there and he wanted to turn on everyone. And maybe he saw his brother as the only one that could stop him. Hmm. Um, so and that's was... why he took his arm off, but he didn't kill him. So that's true. And then he eventually, they team up, right? So they do. Yeah. Which is also, you don't entirely see how that happens, but maybe that, maybe you're right. Maybe the, the Sith spirit or whatever can be persuasive also. And it was just sort of playing a long game. Yeah. I thought maybe it was just something where it was kind of turning them into not necessarily just like mindless murderers, but more they're seeing the potential of the power of that ship and the artifacts that are there and they want it for themselves. Um, and one by one, they're kind of all getting taken over, mm. um, which didn't turn out too well for uh, Sava Corin Purs, I guess. Is no, name. no, it did not. So, and that was the Ugnot. I don't think we've really kind of talked about her too much, but the Ugnot antiquities expert that was with, with Lando. Um, yeah. Which I, she, I'm with you. I didn't cool. know it was a female until they <laughs> revealed that. No. That species is a little tougher to tell between uh, males and females, I guess. Yeah, it was it was such a surprise. Um, and I liked it. I thought, because I'd been picturing, I'd been hearing like a very masculine voice for her. And then I had to go back and change it um, in my own mind. So, but I liked, I liked her and you saw that she's sort of in that underworld the way Lando is. I, uh, the way she went out was unfortunate. I was kind of sad about that, but, um, she was kind of cool. Yeah. Interesting job. You know, I guess she used to be a, um, she used to work at like a college or something, right? Or university teaching about Jedi. I, I took Sava. It's a title. They call her that a lot, but it's actually a title. I, I figured that that would mean like professor would be the equivalent do you agree or did you kind of read that differently yeah i I agree they it definitely was being used as a title um and it makes sense that it would be similar to a professor but it was a term i hadn't heard in star wars before no Um, and i don't think we've heard it anywhere else either so that was kind of surprising right but um i guess she had some kind of a history with lando where she was pretty upset with him but when she saw the value of what lando was going after she suddenly had a change of heart and decided to join him anyways. Mm. And then it cost her her life, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Following her gut was not a good idea in that moment. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of what else what else there is. Oh, the, the Imperials. We, we did get some Imperials. The uh, I thought it was interesting that the Sinar uh, fleet systems, the location where they were you know, kind of refurbishing these ships. Mm-hmm. Um, the emperor was pretty upset with the fact that they lost his ship. So he sent three star destroyers to go destroy that, that place. And yeah, that was pretty in line with the, how the emperor overreacts to situations. This comic had a lot of the Imperials being afraid of their high commands. Like the one guy is so terrified of the empire that he like, takes his own life instead of facing anyone higher up the the ladder than him. Like the Imperials were not, I, there weren't like, I didn't think they had a lot of characterization, but they did create this atmosphere of like, you mess up in the empire, 
you are going to be punished by three star destroyers or something. Right. And I, I love the line where basically the one Imperial is asking the other, like, well, what do we do now? And so the Imperial holds a gun to his own head and is like, this is what I'm going to do. But, you know, for you, I hear the rebellion, the rebellion is hiring. So I yeah. thought that was a funny line where, you know, he had given up himself, but he was actually, you know, telling his fellow officer to maybe go join the rebellion. Yeah, that was interesting. And like, man, was that dark. But yeah. the, the rebellion thing, I was definitely like, that'd be a heck of an origin story for that guy to show up at like some company of the rebellion and explain that man right yeah that would be that'd be a nice little shout out to people that pay attention to the details if they have that same character show up later on and i don't know we didn't get a name for that character right no no and i don't officer yeah yeah, i mean i don't know that they would bring that particular random officer back because he was pretty random but it would be a good sort of connection if they did a nice little easter egg Mm -hmm. um do you watch uh, the Freemaker Adventures at all? Um, I have watched, let me think, I was catching up on it the other day. I've watched probably 10 episodes. Okay, so you've watched a lot of it. The the yes. Imperials that they have in there, the, the one guy that is constantly trying to keep himself out of the action. Yes. <laughs> I was kind of thinking about him with, with these Imperials here. I was just like, yeah, that's. Uh, they know that. If they mess up, they uh, they might die. So it, it's kind of funny that the character in the Freemaker Adventures who's constantly trying to keep himself out of responsibility of just about anything. Yeah, and keeps getting into it anyway. Durpin and Plumestriker, I think the characters are. So. He's the one who he want, he accidentally got promoted and was yes. like, oh, no, this is not what I wanted. He keeps trying to get demoted and keeps getting promoted, yeah. Yes. But, um, <laughs> so, and then... Um, I think you had mentioned kind of here in the notes, and I also wanted to talk about it as well, was the idea, well, at least early on in the comic, you get this indication that Lando is very anti-blaster, we'll say, for the Star Wars universe. Um, He sees this, you know, sees a rack of blasters, and he's like, no, you know, we don't need these. You know, they cause more trouble than they do good, Um, which seems kind of like almost a political statement. But then he kind of changes his mind later on. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because I wrote down that line. So he said, um, uh, basically, the paraphrase is blasters are for people with no imagination. And I wrote it down and I was like, oh, that's a cool line. Like, I like the idea that Lando thinks of himself as having more imagination. But then at the end, he's just like, no, actually, I'm fine with a blaster. Just I don't let anyone know that so that they constantly underestimate me. Exactly. Like, yeah. All right. He yeah he he pretty much takes one takes uh one of the brothers down with a blaster. Uh, shoots yeah. Him. Well, I thought it was interesting because he shot the gun out of his hand first, and then he he continued to shoot him right in the chest. So yeah. It was, it was almost a um a little bit of a a dark moment for Lando because he had disarmed the character and still decided to take him take him out completely. Yeah, and that's where you see the sort of no-nonsense Lando, because after that, he says, like, everybody who knows about this is dead, which is, like, that's dark. But it's how Lando has survived in this this field for so long. And a great line, really. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. There were... I, I wrote this down partially because I want to talk about Lando characterization stuff, and partly just because 
I really like the writing in this comic. Like, there's a lot of lines that get characters' philosophies across really succinctly, and, like, they, this idea of to what degree does Lando trust the people he's around, to what degree is he honest with the people he's around, kind of went through this whole comic in an interesting way. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed this comic a lot. Um, it's It's been one of my favorites. It was just a really a really nicely contained story with characters that were from the movies that I actually did want to know more about. Um, I actually don't feel like Lando's been overdone. Um, it seems like, you know, we get a lot of Han, Luke, and Leia. But Lando, is, as far as the new canon is concerned, ha- hasn't shown up too much. And so I, I was happy to see him in a story and it, definitely to get more backstory on Lobot, I thought was great. Mm. So overall, I actually really, I didn't know if I'd like this one because Lando's never been a character that, you know, I've loved that much. Um, I really liked him in the movies, but in a lot of the books and comics that he showed up in, especially in the legend stuff, I really just didn't like him that much. I didn't like how he was characterized, but in this one, I really liked it a lot, surprisingly. So it's been one of my favorites. Yeah, this definitely was a a surprise hit for me because I didn't have a lot of attachment to Lando before, but I really enjoyed this comic. So I definitely recommend it if um you know, if if anyone that has been now been completely spoiled but hasn't read it, um <laughs> think they might want to, I would recommend it. Yeah. I I'm, I'm always surprised by people that don't mind spoilers who would listen to an entire episode like this that spoils a story and then they still would go read the comic. There's a lot of people out there that actually don't mind being spoiled and and they still can enjoy the comic. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, it's definitely funny. And we actually have some listeners that listen to our show who listen to it specifically just to get a summary of the story and then never go read the comic. They just want to know, they just want to know the basic storyline. We've, we've gotten a couple emails from people that say that like, yeah, we just listen to your show so we can hear the outline of the story. Huh. Well, <laughs> here you go. It, I um, I'm actually sort of like that. Where some t- I I'm, it's a weird line and it's a dangerous line, but I uh, I don't want to know like full spoilers for something. But sometimes something that could be construed a spoiler will make me interested in a story when I was never interested in it before. So I do like to kind of put out feelers a little bit, see if maybe there's more to a story than I thought there was. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we're, we are kind of wrapping up here, but we would be remiss not to mention that the Imperial Guard showed up in this one, which was one of the more surprising scenes in the comic when the door opened up and an Imperial Guard impales Lobot. Yeah. Um, I like that it gives a little more, a little more of a look into the Imperial Guard. Lando mentions that he knew, he knew a woman who was in the Imperial Guard. Like these guards are corrupted. They're, they're different, but it was cool to see them there. Yeah, and you you kind of wonder why, you know, they were there guarding, I guess, the Sith artifacts. But when the ship is being sent for <laughs> refurbishment, it seems like yeah. they, they could have gotten the day off. But <laughs> they... yeah, well, I was like, how long have they been there? Like, right, like are they, they just? Must have, they didn't walk on the ship corrupted like that. Like, oh, that could be a horror story all by itself. You almost wonder if uh, Palpatine knew that by putting them in there next to that that helmet that it would kind of control them and they would almost become these like mindless zombies who are just there for the sole purpose of defending or guarding the, uh, the stuff that he had in there. Yeah. Or like maybe to keep the Sith artifacts awake, kind of like they needed 
a life force near them to, to re- remain of. active. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, they were very creepy because they um you know when they even when they first show up their cloaks are kind of tattered they don't look like your typical imperial guards and then when they unmask them and their skin is all gray and their eyes are kind of you know whatever it just yeah they they are very uh creepy versions of imperial guards yeah definitely zombie zombie like zombie like yes so but yeah i did i did want to just mention that but um did you have anything else that you wanted to to mention before we wrap this review up no, um, I think that's about it. I, I mean, I agree that this. The other thing I liked about this was that it did have sort of horror elements to it. It had the zombies. Um, Lobot's computer system definitely treaded into like horror realm, and I think that was a a good thing. And in general, this comic had a lot going for it. And he had a sad, really sad message there at the end kind of like if you're reading the, or if you're it's one of those kind of if you're seeing this I'm dead type oh, of things yeah the recording yeah, oh that that's was, the worst that was sad and uh but he's you know it's almost like a little pep talk for Lando where he's telling Lando hey you have all these great skills make sure you use them for good uh, which it I is thought was yeah nice. it sort of points toward where Lando will go by the time Empire comes around right well, before we end the show, Megan, um, do you have anything, you know, I, how can people find the stuff that you do online? I know you write for uh, StarWars.com and uh, some other places. So what are the best places that people can find stuff that you've done? Sure. Um, so most of my stuff gets linked to my Twitter. So you can find everything at, at blog full of words. I am writing for or have written for Den of Geek, StarWars.com. Uh, Star Wars Insider, and I had something in 1138 a while ago. But um, <laughs> And now a lot of times you can find me at the Tashi Station Network on Western Reaches or on the Blaster Cannon podcast. Cool. Um, so for Star Wars Bookworms, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Star Wars Bookworms. You can uh, email us starwarsbookworms at gmail.com, Facebook, facebook.com slash Bookworms. Um, we are on iTunes. If you want to leave us a review there, if you haven't done that yet, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes, leave us a nice five-star review. Um, sadly, Teresa wasn't able to join us again tonight, but she will be back for our upcoming book reviews. Um, so you can find her at Ice Cold Penguin on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at AV Goins. Um, and for our upcoming reviews, we are looking to review Life Debt in the near future, which Teresa will be back for, and then also the Chewbacca comic volume is the next comic that we will likely be reviewing with most likely another guest host. So um, so thanks again for joining us, though, Megan. It was great having you on. Oh, you're welcome. I'll see you October 2017. All right, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully before that. But um, we'll definitely have to have you back on, and um, especially as we're kind of going through these comic volumes. If you have any other ones that uh, interest you, let me know. Sure, yeah, and thanks for having me. Yep, and until next time, everybody, keep on reading, and may the Force be with you.